Please note, for maximum picture quality, it may be necessary to adjust the tracking control on your VCR. This week, aren't we all just a couple of Gen Xers hanging out at the parking lot by the convenience store? Because apparently that's all Gen Xers ever did. This is Adjust Your Tracking and I'm one half of your host, Liam Delaney. And I'm Ollie Jones. And welcome to the show. I like that, that worked well. See? <laughs> See? It did work well. How you doing, man? You good? I'm alright, yeah, you? Yeah, I'm alright, I'm, I'm okay. It was my um, wedding anniversary yesterday. Uh, it was, yeah, I got the uh, Facebook reminder that it, of your wedding. <laughs> that you were once the best man. Yeah, I was a, a, the bestest man available. <laughs> bestest man. I was half of a best man, by the way. I don't want to devalue Rob. Mate. We had some of the good groomsmen in the in the guise of Paul Naden and Mark Breeze. Or Mark Breze, as the newspapers always call him. They misspell his name all the time. <laughs> is he always in the papers? Well, whenever I've been in the paper, which is once. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so we were supposed to go out for a nice meal yesterday. But obviously, you know, for reasons sure. we can't. And we were going to a place called The Wilderness, which is this really nice restaurant in uh, the Jewelry Quarter in Birmingham. And um, Yeah, I think I know of that place. Sadly, obviously, we couldn't go. But Caroline, behind my back, she started to speak to the, the, the head chef, the owner of The Wilderness. And she knew which my favourite dishes were because it was like a... What do you call it where you have like nine dishes? Like a taster menu. Oh, or like a There's chef's like, table kind of thing. Yeah, so it's like nine to twelve different dishes, and they're like yeah. small ones, but you know, build it up, and it's you have a nice big meal. But she was, she, I was wondering why for the last few weeks she was asking me what my favourite meals were from <laughs> she, that selection. Well, she did it really and subtly. Was, yeah, yeah. If we were going to eat there, what one would you like? <laughs> exactly. And um, basically, he was kind enough to give her the recipe for one of his mains and one of his desserts. So Caroline oh, wow. made one of the mains and desserts. And she did a, like, a cracking job. It was really nice. It was really good. That's really cool. That is really cool. And then we got really drunk. It was, well, <laughs> it's yeah. good. That's good too. <laughs> yeah. That's quite a nice anniversary, really. It was, yeah. I, I drew her a picture of E.T. <laughs> <I> framed it. <laughs> I feel like, at the time I was like, yeah, this is loads of effort. I'm putting loads of effort into this. <laughs> Little did I know. Little did I know she had this whole thing planned out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I'm sure. I think I saw your picture, so it looked great. Have you ever seen a TV show called um, Great British Menu? I have seen it. I have to say, I, I can't stand it, but I have seen it. <laughs> <laughs> he was a contestant on that. <laughs> there you go. Why don't you like that show? Oh, because it's too long. It's like five shows a week, and it proceeds at like a glacial place and half the show is is they go what were you trying to do with this bit of meat and they were like well i thought it would offset the pork or whatever that's not how it happens i thought it offset offset the raspberry jam i put on it and they go well did that work and they go yeah yeah i think it did and the other person yeah. goes, hmm, i don't know about that and that's like most of the show <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty true but you are wrong though in one respect they've now condensed it to three episodes a week so you don't have okay. to put it with five a week but that was stretching it five a week <laughs> but anyway what else you been up to uh god um what was it what, what i don't know when did we last do this it was a week ago wasn't it it's been a whole week yeah um fuck i don't think i've done anything 
I went for a walk. That's about as much as you expect in isolation times. I actually try, I run 5k every morning. God, well done. And my legs are like jelly for the rest of the day. <laughs> I've been doing, I've been doing kind of workouts at home and stuff like that. And I've been walking where I can. I don't know. It's all, everything's still, merging still into one. still doing your really. yoga? Uh, no, because my knee's still fucked. Oh, no, from that incident. Yeah, I um, I tried to do it again actually, and my knee again popped out of its like joint or whatever oh. it's doing. Um, so I bought a knee brace actually. Which, so oh can... man, you like Batman in the Dark Knight Returns? <laughs> no, no broken Dark Knight man. Rises. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I think of myself as um Stone Cold Steve Austin actually. I always think him him in leg brace. He always had knee braces on. Like, yeah, or so. our friend in the Tiger King had a. Uh... Had a knee brace on. Well, they should never explained. It's not that. Anyway. It's not that. It's, only, it's not that kind of epic. It's not like a kind you of. Were like more, you weren't more by a tiger. No, no. <laughs> and carry around a gun, and whatever else that monster does. You were watched any? You watched any films? Yeah. So what have I been watching? Um, I actually, because of the year we're doing, I, I I've been doing my top ten lists on um, Letterbox for each year as we're going through. Just because I've never done okay. my lists, and um, as I was trying to do my year this year, I kind of realised how many films in that in that year I really like, but I haven't seen in years. So I kind of caught up and watched um, some nineteen ninety six films actually. Um, okay, so that's kind of what I watched. Really, I don't know if I watched anything else. I can't actually remember. anything in particular. Yeah, the two things that really stood out to me was um, the Frighteners, the Peter Jackson film. Oh yeah, which is um, was it Michael J. Fox's last film? probably was it was definitely his last film as a probably a leading well not an action hero but like a leading leading man, man i guess yeah can't think of another thing he did after that i know he did some tv apparently on that set he broke his foot so a lot of the times he's doing a jackie chan where he's got like a oh, really a thing over his foot to make it look like a a boot or whatever oh no way but I I really enjoyed that film. I it holds up. That's why I wanted to rewatch it. I think it holds up, and it's got that proper kind of, it's that proper like midway between Peter Jackson doing his, you know, his kind of what do you call it the the gore stuff he was doing in New Zealand. Oh yeah, like his splatter movie. Yeah, like the splatter movie. Yeah, and then actually kind of then prestige Peter Jackson who did you know after Lord of the Rings really, and it it's it, it serves as that kind of middle point really and. I really liked it. This this special effects are a bit hokey now, but I think the story holds up and, and everything like that. Because I'm not sure if he was meant to do King Kong before the Frighteners or straight after the Frighteners, because that was the original plan. And if you listen, look at his original idea for King Kong, it's a lot different to really. Because in the end, he just basically remade the original King Kong, whereas <laughs> he was going to do like the mummy version of King Kong, you know, like the Brendan Fraser, like that yeah. kind of version of King Kong. That's kind. Of, uh, I, I don't know if I hate his King Kong or not. I don't. I know that the first I'd like... three hours are set on the boat, I think. <laughs> like... I'll tell you what, when we get to the 2005, we'll both rewatch it. Okay, that's a deal. <laughs> and you've got to watch the director's cut. It's yeah. like about 40 minutes longer. I just remember that the cast is huge and there's so many characters that I, I don't need to know the name of. And he keeps us finding oh. more people to introduce you to. This is the yeah. chef for the boat and this is the... <laughs> uh, yeah. Um... I was going to say, The Frighteners, I'm pretty sure one of the reasons why he did Lord of the Rings was due to The Frighteners because he perfected the ghost effect. And I oh, think okay. he thought, I could translate that into the ghosts that 
appear later on in like Return of the King or whatever. The, I mean, that might not be true. Dead. I don't. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure it gave him confidence yeah. to work with new technology. I'm sure that's. Oh yeah, that's true. But I think he definitely went the way of um, your mate um, Robert Zemeckis, where <laughs> he just got swallowed came, by the tech. It came too much about pushing the tech forward, which is good because it. It opened the floodgates for other filmmakers, but it's also bad because it means that two good filmmakers have got some real ho hum, like iffy films in there. What's why are you holding three up in your hand? I think Ang Lee is part of this trifecta. Oh, do you think so? Yeah, I love him, but he's got obsessed with this high frame rate shooting, and he he's upset more obsessed with the high frame rate shooting than anything else. I think. Yeah, um, like which... I think it's great that you've got these guys that are pushing the tech forward because then it helps younger filmmakers or that can use it in yeah. ways to help tell a story but not be without the technology be the forefront of it without beowulf and without polar express and the jim carrey christmas carol we wouldn't have the mocap technology we have nowadays we just wouldn't yeah, have exactly. it and i don't think those films are good but in a way he sacrificed a lot of his career now. <laughs> He's the actually, sacrificial lamb. <laughs> he did. He, like it's like a like a kind of I don't know what to. I always call it a tin cup moment because I can't think of another example. But do you know in the film Tin Cup when Kevin Costner keeps whacking the golf ball to try and prove that he can get it onto the green and he just keeps yeah, yeah. putting it in the water. But he's gonna he's gonna ruin his old game just to prove that he can do it. That was do just it, like yeah. Robert Zemeckis basically. He's just like proving he can fucking do this technology and proving over and over again and it keeps failing. Especially Beowulf, God, that fucking film. <laughs> I've, I've I've seen that film. Um, tin cup is it? Tin cup. Yeah, but I always get it confused with pushing tin. Pushing tin. Is it pushing? The one with John Cusack and yeah. Um, Are they both both golf? Are they both golf movies? No, the one's no. about air traffic control. <laughs> oh yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. But for some reason, I keep getting them mixed up in my head. Weren't there, I swear there were two golf movies that came out around the time of Tinker. Uh, Happy swear Gilmore? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I mean, like, kind of, you know, that romant, that subgenre of romantic sports comedy, like Wimbledon. <laughs> romantic golf movies. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, tweet at us. Uh, hashtag, um, <laughs> I don't know, Cosner Romantic golf. sports <laughs> movies. <laughs> I'm not good at hashtags. Um, I finally watched Cats. Oh dear, oh dear. Was that anniversary? <laughs> can I can I give a hot take? No. Yeah. I can't. <laughs> All right. Bear in mind, I was messaging you through the, the whole screening of it, like laughing at the some of the dodgy effects on that. But I don't think it's the worst film I've ever seen in my life. I've seen worse. That's fair. And the thing is with the thing is with Cats. It's shit to begin with anyway. <laughs> so it's not like... It's... It like, Cats is very camp. It's it's weird anyway. And I think the film just pretty much reflects the stage show of it. And I was sitting next to my wife watching it, who... I wouldn't say she necessarily loves to play Cats, but she loves the music. Mm. And she loved that, watching... Just hearing those songs, so it... Seeing someone actually enjoy something, even though in yeah, I didn't that... like it, it kind of changed my opinion of it a little bit. And I'm no way saying this film is a good film, but I don't think it's 
the massive crime against cinema that everyone says it is. <laughs> because, <laughs> but I still don't think I need to see Idris Elba as a weird, um, eldritch like, nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> he was very shiny, and it's um, not. It's not he looked very gender neutral without any. Um... <laughs> he looks. Ah, oh, he looks like he's. I I don't know how to even word this. He looks like he should look really sexy. Yeah, it's like, weird. Oh, uh, God. You know, like in comic books when they do Elseworlds and they'll do like Batman as a real bat. <laughs> yes. He looks like he looks like Black Panther as a real cat. <laughs> but that's such so a it... niche comic book thing. <laughs> <laughs> but, so I think in in the film they kind of made his character like the villain. And yeah. they've added this storyline where he somehow can He's teleport around the place. And he takes people onto a boat, which is really, really <laughs> weird. Is it Ray Winston on the boat? Yeah. <laughs> and it is bizarre. But I kind of admired it in a weird way for just being so fucking, like, odd. And just kind of going for it. I think I, I, think I said this to you before. It starts in the worst, worst, worst possible way. With that, like, when that first song that is just them saying Jellicle 50,000 times. And yeah, then it's like. It's a Jellicle. Reb, Rebel, Rebel Wilson and um, James Corbin are the first two yeah. kind of things that introduce you to it. You're just like, oh, fucking kill me. I think when they get into the theatre, it kind of finds its legs a bit. Well, it stays there for the rest of the film, yeah. doesn't it? Once it's there. But I my, my take of it is just, I think he takes it too seriously and i think he's the way he shot it is shit so i think it ruins the yeah. best of they got about it because he shot it basically but i mean the mice were the biggest crimes oh, God, they looked hard. so bad and the scale of them was like i was like a mouse isn't the that scale small is compared all to a cat over the fucking shop in that film <laughs> it's it's they're, they're scaled as if a cat is walking upright is what a cat's always doing yeah but they walk on four legs all the time so why did they do that yeah <laughs> i mean if my cat of turnip was standing up on his legs he'd be actually quite tall yeah do you know what i mean and like there's a bit where the, not where the struggling to get over a the... railway sleeper yeah yeah and <laughs> like they've got knives and forks in their hand these knives and forks <laughs> the size are ginormous <laughs> and then there's another one where they're like they're in someone's bedroom and they've one of them's got a, a finger ring around their wrist. And I was like, a ring would not go around yeah. a cat's wrist. <laughs> no Do you know what I mean? They're not that small. Um, it's such there was one bit. Who's, who's the magic cat? Miss, I don't know what his name is. Oh. But there's a bit. Miss, it's the song. Mistopheles. Magical Mr. Mistopheles. There we go. But he keeps doing stuff with his hands. And on his wrist. The mapping or whatever with the CGI is so bad. It just <laughs> moves all around the place. It's so bad. And like you see people's chests just kind of shift around all the place. Yeah. And they, they, they kind of float across, like, and, and like their heads are kind of like kind of wobbling about, about the place. And like Rebel Wilson, for some reason, takes off her, unzip uh, her, her body. It's really weird. She's the worst in that film. She's the worst. And they look 
they look more like monkeys, like the way they jump yeah, around sure. and stuff. I I hate the cat stuff in it. I hate it so much. I hate the the mewing. The I hate the the the, the rubbing each other's faces. Uh, I hate yeah. Judy Dench lying in a fucking cat basket. Like I just <laughs> like I just don't like that shit. And like the ending of that film. I, I know that's the ending of the play, but Judy Dench might still be talking right now if I if I looked. <laughs> I don't understand why it's so long. I don't understand why they don't they don't talk to the audience once and then the last fifteen minutes is Judy Dench talking to you. It's so offering. <laughs> Like in my head, Judy Dench has been seventy for the last thirty years, <laughs> but she's eighty-five. I didn't realise she was she? eighty-five now. She's yeah. an app. She's a national treasure. We, she is. I, I, we stand Dame Judy Dench. That's what you I watched think. anything else? Yeah, I um, I watched uh, <laughs> the Nutty Professor. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> <laughs> Thoughts. You know what? I think I think I like it. <laughs> I really like that film. I'm sure we went to see this back in the day at the cinema. We together. must have. This is absolutely that time when we were kind of young teenagers when we went to the film all the time, and that that film came out at a point where uh, I just I can't believe how big of a film it was. Do you know? What I, mean? I know <laughs> he was pretty big in it, wasn't he? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> But like some of the CGI is pretty shocking. Yeah, but it, yeah, I don't know. It works. Eddie Murphy. It's Eddie Murphy. I, I know I'm kind of fascinated by Eddie Murphy's career. I'm constantly confused by him. Like, but like, <laughs> it's a weird fucking film. It really is. And he kind of gets to the end of it. And you're like, I'm not totally sure the moral here. Well, I think he, think he went through the '80s as being like the the comedy king almost of the '80s. And then I think by the time he got to the 90s, he wanted to do more serious films. And apparently, Beverly Hills Cop 3, he didn't want to be a comedy. Right. He wanted it to be more of an action drama kind of film, which if you watch that film, he doesn't do any jokes. No bananas in the tailpipes, huh. none of that. And then right. something must have happened in the mid-90s where he kind of went, wanted to go more of a kid route. Maybe yeah. he had kids at that point or something, because then he did like, uh, what was after that? Like Doctor Doolittle, and then he started to do Dave and Daddy Daycare, Pluto Nash, Daddy Daycare, Pluto Nash, yeah, Haunted Mansion, these classics yeah, yeah. that we all we all look out but for. The, but the Nutty Professor, like, it's it's one of those like comedies where it's got the default like female lead who's pretty much nothing. And oh yeah, but it's. But it's got some genuine funny moments in it, like this the the table the the dinner table scene. I think he's so well done. Yeah, I do too. I do too, and I think he's actually really funny in it as well. Yeah, like the sequel though is horrendous. I don't ever watch that sequel. I don't know if I've seen it. If I'm really honest, I, I actually don't know if I've seen it. I'm pretty sure he creates a love potion in that one. Oh, good. <laughs> I might be wrong. I don't know. Oh, love potions are always good for some fucking casual rape in a film. <laughs> <laughs> it I, it was kind of weird because at both times it was kind of like you're meant to feel sympathetic for the character, and at both times like the the um, uh, Sherman Clump, and at both times you kind of meant to be laughing at him for being fat. So you, yeah. I was kind of watching thinking, 
am I laughing at him or do I like him? I'm not sure. Yeah. Which, which I'm doing. Which is just, a, I think, a product of it being made in '96, frankly. But you've got you've got a young Dave Chappelle in it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good scene, actually. He's quite funny. I've heard of dreadlocks, but shitlocks. Is the um? I don't know Dave Chappelle very well. Um, but is the women be shopping thing something he would do in his act? I, or is that possibly, just for this? I don't know. Because people, I don't say know if he lot. was trying to. But I don't know if he was trying to create like a real bad stand-up comic. Yeah, like that yeah, was yeah. Persona, if that was a character that he but, did, yeah, that's what I was yeah. thinking. But I, even that is funny. Women be shocked. Women be shocked. Women be shocked. Because people say that all the time now in like taking the piss out of shit comedy, and I was astonished if it had started in this film. It can't help. <laughs> like, but no. I think that's just such a generic joke about women and shoes and all sure. that kind of shit. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Just lazy, lazy writing that probably we wrote into our films when we were like 15 or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Because we didn't know any better. You can't write women without saying um, shopping. Yeah. Anyway, Nutty Professor kind of holds up more than I actually thought it did. It definitely... It's also got like a Godzilla, no, King Kong Godzilla oh, kind of scene. Good. Yeah. yeah when, and yeah, the dream sequences in that are actually really funny. Another film that year had a, a similar scene as well. Did it? Uh, Beavis and Butthead do America. <laughs> I'm sure that's 96. It I is think. 96, yeah, definitely. Yeah, because that's got a scene. I think that opens up with like a It King does, Kong doesn't it? With like a King scene, Kong yeah. thing, yeah. God, I haven't watched that in it. I've been working my way through all the old Beavis and Buttheads. I've got, um, so I can watch all of them. But I was going to watch the film last because I have to go in order. The film stands up so well in my opinion. I, I've got still fond me memories of it. So, have you ever seen? Because the the DVDs that you lent me, which have kind of it's called like the Mike Judge collection. Mm. It's only got like 150 episodes on them. When there's okay. like over 250 yeah, episodes, because yeah. there's some in the early years that he downright despises. <laughs> and like, if you look at the animation, it's like you know, like how the early Simpsons, like the first series, yeah, just they had a few wrong. different teams working on it. Yeah, yeah. So you have the very first episode that looks like the Simpsons, then you have the one after it with the babysitter, and you're like, "What's this?" Yeah, because they used and to the send, they used to outsource it to the the um, Korean studios, and the Korean studios didn't really know, didn't really get, or at least the message wasn't passed along to them that they want this to feel like a real place, and they want to fi- right. they want these characters to feel just like a sitcom even though they look a bit funny and they were just animating it like they were animating any kids cartoon so they just didn't care they'll color like crazy hair colors in the background and and just you know weird shaped heads and stuff like that they just didn't think it was yeah. important so the notes just kept on and they didn't have time to fix it in season one but they the notes just kept coming back saying no we want this to feel like a show we don't want to feel like some crazy characters yeah but like Going back to Beavis and Butthead, like the early, some of the early episodes are so bad. Like the animation and the art style is like so off character model. It's bizarre, and I think that's due to the fact that it feels very tactile. They... Though the early Beavis and Butthead, though, I feel like it's almost you... you can always feel like it's him doing it. Oh, it's not even him, but you can see the pencil marks or the yeah. you know you can see like the ink drying on it because they couldn't get yeah. it on the TV fast enough. 
And like that was back when like Beavis was obsessed with fire and they had to cut that out because someone like burnt down their like trailer with a baby in it and stuff like that and blamed oh it God. on Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, oh you know, heard God. that story. I tell you, I think I have, but I didn't remember it at all. Yeah. And like there's one episode where they go across the the new new uh the Mexican border. Yeah. And they're smuggling drugs back and they're just swallowing all these drugs and they're just completely getting <laughs> fucked up on the way back through Mexico to to america <laughs> and then it kind of it really tamed down and like the characters became the characters that we know now where they're not sure. hateful they're just more idiots they're just really dumb yeah they're really yeah. really dumb yeah which i think is more endearing to be honest yeah they definitely yeah they definitely made them much more kind of just like i don't know less hateful is just a better way to put it isn't it really yeah the, ep- the episodes of that crap me up so much like the stuff that's set in the the um fast food restaurant when they they burn it down or they cover it in shit or something i can't remember what it is like a guest like someone comes in they just set fire to everything and there's one where and there's one with the tire i always think of when the whole Which episode when they're just rolling down the hill rolling down the, the massive tire <laughs> just crashing into everything oh and the, is there one where they um they have to dig a they get hired to dig a swimming pool by the neighbor <laughs> yeah mr anderson yeah and they like they cement themselves into the ground. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I think there's one when they Such rob his mower, or they try and rob his. No, he's not. He's I think not... that's the same episode because the then one? they they try and drive the, the the mower gets driven into the pool and gets stuck in the pool with them. There's one with not a mower but like a little JCV thing that they just turn on. They think it's not working and they leave it and it just jets off into like through <laughs> everyone's <laughs> gardens and keeps going. I all that. There's a good one where um, Beavis gets uh, a nosebleed, and uh, <laughs> they keep they they're trying to stop him having a nosebleed, so they're, like stuffing tampons up his nose and stuff like that. I've actually got an animation cell from that episode. Awesome. Hang on, I'll put it here. It's not going to work well for um, our viewers, I mean listeners, but <laughs> I'm showing Liam a cell from Beavis and Butthead. Eh, that's awesome. That looks really cool. Yeah, so it's what. Uh... Beavis has got blood all over his head. Yeah, and Butthead's giving Beavis the Heimlich to try and stop him having a nosebleed. <laughs> anyway, I watched another film. I watched uh, Nightbreed by Clive Barker. Have you seen oh that film? Oh my god, no I haven't. What, what's, what's the score? So that film, it's... David Cronenberg plays the villain in that Does film, he? bizarrely. Yeah. And I don't know if all of his dialogues dubbed. It sounds so. He sounds so on top of the film. Like his his right. audio is on top of the mix. It's really bizarre. But the idea for this film is the main guy. I've forgotten his name. It's Boone or something like that. Okay. But he has these nightmares of these monsters and demons. But he kind of likes these demons that are in his nightmare nightmares, and he's. He goes to a therapist who's played by um, David Cronenberg, but it turns out David Cronenberg is actually a serial killer. Okay. And he frames these murders on Boone and gets Boone killed. And then Boone ends up in the world with the monsters who are actually good. Okay. Even though they're all horrific, like Clive Barker kind of overly sexualized, bizarre, kinky monsters. Talking of Clive Barker uh, monsters, what's your favorite? What they're called in Hellraiser? What, what's their name? Oh, Cenobites. What's your favorite Cenobite? Uh, one with the camera for a head. <laughs> he's like a, he's a cameraman. 
good pick. Cenobites, Cenobites, something. Cenobites, like that. yeah, sure it is. Mine's a CD. It's a guy with loads of CDs. <laughs> Does he fire them out of his head or something? I can't I remember. Know. I think it's some from like Hellraiser Four or something. <laughs> There's a load of those films. They're still making them, are they? But um, but yeah, I mean, Nightbreed. I'd, I was trying to find the director's cut of it because apparently. Well, I mean, there's a there's a lot that doesn't quite make sense in the theatrical one, or that's <laughs> sure. kind of like it feels like it's missing. So I wanted to try and find the director's cut so I could get the the full ex, the full Clive Barker full experience. Clive Barker experience. But, but I couldn't find it. Danny Elfman does the music though, and it's you can tell it's Danny Elfman, especially early '90s Danny Elfman. Yeah. So everything sounds like fucking Batman. You know, and, um, um, Clive Barker only ever directed three films. So yeah, did, did he direct Hellraiser? Yeah. Hellraiser, Nightbreed, um, and Lord of Illusions is the only three films. I haven't seen that one. It's just weird because I always I I connect him to so many films. I always think he's the director of them. Like Candyman, I always think he directed Candyman, but he didn't. So there's remakes that's coming out, isn't it? It is, yeah, isn't it? Jordan Peele. So has he directed it or think produced so. it? I'm or... not sure. Yeah. It's connected to can uh, to him. I know he's done a few video games like Jericho and stuff like that, but like. I wouldn't say I'm the, a massive fan of Clive Barker stuff. But, no, I don't really have much. I, I have a very small opinion. Not small. Op- I, that's not right way of wording it. I mean, I just have a, not much to say. I, I, my you know. problem with his films are, because they're quite low budget, all the money, and probably rightfully so, goes on all the costumes and the you know, the effects and stuff like that. So he, they don't have, necessarily have the best actors in them and some of the writing's a bit on the nose and the way it's shot is very televisual it is quite televisual yeah so it's it's not i don't know but but things like the candy man though on the other hand i think that was that was great candy man from what i remember of it i remember really liking it yeah 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 was there a few of those i think there was 3 i think um i'm not sure i've seen any but the first one if i'm honest do you know what they should have done? They should have called the first one Candyman. The second one should be called Candyman, Candyman. And then the third one should have been Candyman, Candyman, Candyman. Because <laughs> aren't you meant to say his name three times to release him? There we go. That's the joke. <laughs> That's the joke. <laughs> I think that would be really good. I hate <laughs> films that have the wrong title. That always pisses me off. Like, like the two I always go to is Rambo 2 should be called Second Blood. Oh like, yeah, I don't know why it's not. It's not called that. That's the stupidest thing in the world. And Ralph breaks the internet. Should be Ralph wrecks the internet. Why is it? Oh god, like, that, is it what is it? Wreck it, Ralph two. Ralph wrecks the internet. No, Ralph breaks the internet. Wreck it, Ralph two. Ralph breaks the internet. Should be just well, just call it Ralph. Just sim- <laughs> wrecks the internet. Just ah, uh, like uh, what was the one I was thinking of in my head just a minute ago? Uh, it's gone now. I mean, Batman Begins and Dark Knight annoys me, right? Because it's they're... Batman Begins, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, and they'll never, Just they'll never it. sit nice on your shelf like that. No, especially <laughs> if you like, like I alphabetize like I do. <laughs> yeah, because um, they're in totally different places. Yeah, it's like ah, oh, you bastard. <laughs> what do you um? So when it comes to stuff like Raiders, uh, do you put it under Raiders oh. or do you put it I for Indiana? Well, this Jones? is what I was going to get to because apparently the original idea was that they're always going to be called Raiders something. So, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Raiders of the Temple of Doom, or something. Like that. that was the original plan, 
But um, I've got the box set, so it's just uh, Indiana Jones. So it saves you. But um, I always call it Raiders. I don't call it Indiana Jones. Yeah, it? I always call it Raiders too. But I'm a bit of a stickler because I always call Star Wars Star Wars. <laughs> and if someone says it's called A New Hope, I'm like, I think you mean Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that bugs me then because then it's the only one without the subtitle. I know. <laughs> Like, and I, I don't like, but this is the thing. I don't like it when a, fil- a first film comes out with a subtitle because I'm like, oh, are you presuming you're going to get more? We'll see about that one, shall <laughs> we'll we? We'll see about that one. Dawn of Justice Rising, whatever the fuck. Oh, God, yeah. To <laughs> be fair, they got their sequel. Justice did rise. Did, did they? Dawn. No, Justice did, did Dawn. I saw it happen. They defeated that amazing villain. Um, did you actually watch that film? Someone. Steppenwolf, that's who Steppen it is. I can, I can remember it and everything. <laughs> I did watch it. I, I watched it on a rainy bank holiday one day, actually. It's it's not worth talking about, frankly. It's atrocious. No, it's not. <laughs> but what is worth talking about? Something we watched in 1996. Um, yeah. <laughs> Have I ruined your segue? <laughs> Ow! Okay, so what year are we talking about today then, Liam? Right, so we're deep in our kind of 1990s miniseries and we're talking about 1996 this week. So um, what what do you think about 1996 in film, Ollie? I think about Fargo, which is probably one of my favourite films of all time. Yeah, it's my favourite film of the year. It's absolutely up there, isn't it? It's just so... I can't. I, it's just so good that film. It's just perfect. The, everything about that film, I can't even do it justice to talk about yeah. it because I love that film. It's in my top five of all time films. I always um, like. Who's your favorite character in Fargo? Oh my god. Uh, oof. To be honest, it's probably Francis McDermott. Um, I think Marge Gunderson is one of the best characters ever written. Frankly. <laughs> It's crazy as well. She doesn't come into it till about halfway Half into that through, film yeah. and then dominates the rest Just of that film. Do- yeah, absolutely dominates it to the point that it's hard to think of anything else in it. The whole f- of that film, My the fa- visualisation, the music, the, the snow, like, and the- crazy side characters. Well, I think you first told me about Fargo and you sold it to me, like the first scene. I remember you telling me about um, William H. Macy and the first scene is just him beating up his car. He's defrosting his car. <laughs> like, yeah, when he get is that when he gets really mad and just starts slapping it, and then slowly just stops <laughs> yeah. and then picks up his thing again and continues just working yeah. away. My favorite character is the guy that Marge has a date, not a date with. It's like yeah. an old school colleague. Yeah, you're such a super lady. <laughs> like that scene serves no purpose in that film whatsoever, but it's a great scene and like it does serve a purpose a, though. It serves a purpose of strengthening so. her, yeah. Like, what? Just that she's a nice person. Well, no, I think it. I think it adds commitment to her marriage. I think it. It shows you how like committed she is to this kind of marriage that you don't see much love between them most of the time because they're very cold. I guess so. Um, apart from the end where they're very, you know, the husband's just very mute. I guess don't mean cold. About his stamps and stuff. But yeah, I guess so. I mean, I always just thought of it as just. I I never saw them as there was anything wrong with their relationship it's just that's how they function that's how they you know but i think the film that, that seems there just to kind of reassure you that there isn't anything wrong 
with their relationship whereas you could maybe are you do you think they're trying to shoot trying to make the viewers think that she is on a date yeah i think so or Or she's tempted yeah you know and or you know think so yeah she's looking for i think she's the type of character you think might be looking for something you might I think as an audience, you might think that character is looking for something more in her life. Like she like like in all aspects of her life, like maybe she wants like a richer husband, a bigger house, or maybe she wants to be like a federal agent or something like that. And actually what the film tells you that she is absolutely content where she is and she's brilliant Com- at it. Yeah, comfortable. Like yeah. she's not just comfortable, she's great. Like Ooh, I don't think I agree with your piece work in there, Lou. <laughs> What about you? What's some of what's one of your? I should say going off about Fargo. Have you ever seen Kumiko, oh. the Treasure Hunter, uh, directed by David Zellner? Oh no, I need to see this. Came is, it, is it actually a true story? Um, or is it like a... I don't believe it is. I think it's a true story in the same way Fargo is a true story. But if so, this is a Japanese girl who's yeah. trying to look for the money. It's a Japanese girl who comes across a VHS copy of Fargo, sees that this is a true story because it's re- it's really bad kind of you know badly tracked vhs copy sees it's a true story doesn't be- understand it's a film and then travels to minnesota to find the money basically uh, okay um it's great and it's it i re- absolutely recommend watching it it's you know a spiritual sequel to fargo and it, i always think of it i now. think like i love the first series of fargo the tv series apparently there was a tv series or a pilot made after the first film but apparently it's meant to be garbage hmm but I think the plot of the first series that links into the movie is the weakest part of that series where the guy finds the money and becomes like... Oh, okay, yeah. He opens up his freezer company or whatever. Yeah. Or like, like you know, his farm foods or Iceland. Yeah. Of like kind of a... I thought that was a bit of a weak storyline. Yeah, I agree. Um, I like I really the TV like show series. as well, actually. I just like the people in it more than anything else. It's performance-led for I me. I mean, it's become now, I think the Coen Brothers extended universe movie as opposed to the uh, TV show as opposed to the Fargo TV show. Cause now it's, it's set in the Southern States now, I think. And it's got Chris Rock as one of the main characters. Cool. I'd like to see Chris so, Rock. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. 96 is weird because, well, it's not weird. 96, I just think is a really good year of film. I could sit here and just list endlessly films. So I don't want to do that because it's boring, but I think like yeah. when I was trying to do my top ten, I was finding it really difficult to find. Um, I can guarantee, I I have no hatred for Independence Day, but it's not in my top ten, and that's the just the type of no. year it is. Like, but um, Scream, I I rewatched that. It holds up better than I think I ever thought it would hold up. I think it's wonderful. Scream is so good, and it's a shame. It's where, shame yeah. the sequels, <laughs> terrible. Yeah, I I wouldn't mind rewatching them. I think I might have less. Um, expectation of them now, and I might enjoy them a little more. Um, but they were never, right. they were never going to be the first film. Which I, this sounds really dumb, but I don't think I ever quite got how meta it was when I was young. Like I knew it right. was a meta film, but watching it the other day, I was just like, it's so laced with it that it's it couldn't actually have screen without it. Do you know what I mean? Like it's so intrinsic to all elements of that film. Well, how old would we have been in 96? So I definitely got this on video in like 97 when it first came out. So I would have been like, what, 13, 14? I wouldn't have seen all the other films that it's... No, I might have seen Halloween. Because I I really like John Carpenter, but my dad did, I think. So, but... Yeah. um, No, I don't think I would have 
have would have got everything it was doing but even the conversations like it just reinvented horror it was one of the we talked about this last week about films that ended up ruining like genres everything had to be scream after this film like every horror film had to be scream because they just i know what you did last yeah and urban myths is that what it's called and yeah something urban yeah because that was trying to be meta in the same weird way and it doesn't work what also doesn't work is deadpool stop being meta shut up (laughs) (laughs) but like jamie kennedy's character in this is is just like it's, it's just hilarious really that that exists in a film also matthew lillard is a national treasure and <laughs> I, he whatever he's doing needs to be hired for every film going forward he's fucking wonderful in scream he's so good and i don't know why i understand why you he's know, not, not constantly in films he i think he's great I do. and again like you said it's a shame that he's not in enough he's i tell you like another actor who i really liked when i was younger like i really like christian slater growing up and like for some reason he never seemed to yeah, he's done big stuff, sure. but he never seemed to like reach that upper echelon of actors that I thought he could have. Yeah, do, do, do you know? I what know what you mean. mean. I, he, I think he 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 had the kind of problem that everyone assumed he was a movie star, and they just started treating him as a movie star. When I think he his career trajectory would have been better placed as like just character actor, basically. <laughs> the kind of like, all right, you know how they put Ryan Reynolds in every single movie star role. Yeah, that kind of thing, really. I know Ryan Reynolds now is a movie star, but they just kind of yeah, they they forced it. They were the forcing it yeah. for a long time. Okay, Cable Guy, good or bad? Oh, I think it's good. I think it, I love it. I think it's I think it's brilliant. I read. I was reading about the Cable Guy the other day. Apparently, they shot every scene two different ways: a more serious, darker way, and then a more comedic, lighter way. That's insane. And they decided to go the more comedic, lighter way. And apparently Judd Apatow wants to direct it because he rewrote the script. Okay. But then the studio says, no, you're not allowed to direct it. And then hired fucking Ben Stiller <laughs> to direct it. Ben, it. Did he direct Reality Bites? Yeah, yeah I think he did. I was going to say that. Okay, so he'd already got experience. He, did he do anything after that, though? That's, uh, the, that's what... Is it the last film he directed or did he... Who's that? Ben, ben Stiller? Stiller? Yeah. Well, no, he did uh, Tropic Thunder and oh, did Walter Mitty, didn't he? Oh, did he do Walter Mitty? <laughs> yeah, he did. Uh, actually, fuck, he directed Zoolander, so I should know that. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, I forgot about Zoolander. Yeah. I never saw the third, second one, sorry. Uh, I don't remember if I saw the second one. That's a good, that's a good review. <laughs> I'm sure I've seen Also, it. you had... Like the disaster movie was big in two thousand uh, nineteen ninety six. Like, see, so that Twister was a big one. Yeah. And um, the Rock and of Independence, Independence Day. Independence yeah, Day. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's so so much stuff like that. You got um, Mission Impossible as well, which. Um, it, oh yeah, yeah. Which a completely different film I, in nineteen ninety six than it is now. But I love that nineteen ninety six film. That's still my favorite Mission Impossible. I haven't granted. I haven't seen the last two ones. How many are there now? I had the five or six. Five, I think. I love them. I love the last. I love all of them apart from the second one. The last one I saw was the. I think it was Ghost Protocol. Yeah, that's the Ben. That's the Brad Bird one, right? Yeah. So there's two since then, or one two. since then. So that means there's six. That means of there's them six. Now. Yeah. God. Yeah. Um, I love them. I tell you what did come out this year. Space Jam came out, which <laughs> is an insane movie. 
And do you know where I first watched that? Where? So in certain where we're from, certain Coalfield, there's a shop called Apollo, which I'm sure is a chain. And uh, they had like a home theatre booth, which was like a closed off area with a sound, you know, like a soundproof glass. So you could like hear how good the sound system was. And the film they were demoing in there was um, Space Jam. And I think (laughs) when I was like, what, 13, 14, they were playing it on DVD to show off how good DVDs were. And it just died, so I just sat down there. Next thing I knew, the credits were rolling. <laughs> I sat and watched the whole of Space Jam in Apollo's. Apollo 2000, that's what it's called. And a good day was had. Yeah. Uh, I guess other films from that year that I love. Um, I love Romeo and Juliet. That's one of my favourite films from that year. That is a fantastic film. Yeah, it really helps. I saw that recently at the Botanical Gardens outside in the n- <laughs> at night it was really good a bit cold all these all these weird viewing experiences oh, no. saw that one in a washing machine shop saw that one in a garden <laughs> um no, and, that uh, was good a first uh wachowski film bound which is absolutely oh, bound watching. yeah yeah it's uh it's brilliant and actually like it's it's a really interesting film watching now um knowing them as women because that film is really yeah. female kind of gazy Whereas I think it was sold as this kind of like erotic kind of male kind of titillation thing. But actually going back and watching it, it's not that film. It actually does have like a kind of female gaze to it, which is really kind of interesting. It's great. Really, well, really great film. Well, The Matrix, I, don't, I can't remember if Neo was meant to be gay and Trinity was a man or if Trinity's kind of meant to look a bit androgynous. But there's definitely that Trinity character called Switch who was meant to be Switch both. Switch was meant to be, yeah, yeah. And which is a shame they the matrix is all about kind of um the matrix is about reclaiming your identity, identity no matter what yeah, your yeah. body is which is really interesting yeah, really. yeah. Like, great films we're not in 99 though but matrix fucking great film and, yeah, uh, and they're making what the fourth one's coming out it is apparently whatever. i guess they aren't working on it at the moment so but yeah, yeah, it's meant to be happening. Uh, it's it's surprising that one of the sisters hasn't come back to direct that. It's just the one. Yeah, I can't remember who it is. Is it Lily that hasn't come back or Lana? Yeah, Lana's directing yeah. that. Yeah, I think I think they got a bit um, put off by the film industry a little bit. Or that's all. But I I love right. their films. I I really do. I've I've gone back and watched them all again, and they all their films hold up. Really, I tell you what, we'll do we'll do a special on their. Uh, films because i'd love to watch jupiter ascending and i need I to ascending. You, you, if you haven't seen speed racer you fucking love it like i've seen speed racer because it's such a especially it was ahead of its time when it came out and it really was it really was that hyper energetic kind of filmmaking it, it was doing that much more before anyone's yeah. ready to accept it do you reckon they may have been a bit in the the realm of you know how we were talking earlier about uh, Peter Jackson and stuff like really pushing technology to their detriment or... Maybe. But they seem to definitely have ideas that they were trying to push forward, I think. Yeah. So... Maybe. Probably, yeah. I hadn't thought of that. But I mean, The Matrix is that, isn't it, really? And then with The Matrix 2 and 3 kind of suffer from technology overload a little bit, don't they? Oh, massively, especially the third one. Especially the third like, one. I, I, don't I couldn't even... The sec- I think the second one's okay, actually, but the third one is a drag yeah well that's why i'd like to rewatch them yeah we should do that that sounds like a plan yeah 
So yeah, what we're we talking about today, though. Yeah, so after all those, we're actually talking about uh, Richard Linklater's Suburbia, which was his follow-up to the huge, huge film uh, after something. Which one is it? I always get mixed up. Is it after sunset? After sunrise or before sunset? I don't know. There's one of them, or is it after sunset before sunrise? I don't know. It's <laughs> and what's the other one? There's a third one. So, so it's before sunrise, before sunset. And Before Midnight is the three films. So this is his follow-up to Before Sunrise, which was the first one. Look at us. We all dress the same. Eating the yogurt. We all talk the same. Checking the voicemail. We all watch the same TV. Shaving the bikini line. (laughs) Sometimes I just want something different, you know? corner pony what's a pony you mean the geek who played the folk music at the senior prom yes well you wanted to get together with your close friend pony the rock star i understand the corner i mean nothing's changed didn't you see that video on mtv oh i shot my tv you still living at your mom's he's rich and he's famous he's got everything and you've got nothing great concert tonight you were there no. I don't need a limousine to know who I am, all right? Right on. You know what? He doesn't need the limo, man. I don't have an answer. I don't have a message. Okay, great. Well, now he's crying. Because I'm not like everybody else. No, I'm not like everybody else. It's this tar pit of stupidity that we're all stuck in. Put back the leprechaun. Go! No, you don't belong here. We are here before you. What are we doing, Jeff? You and me. I'm moving out to L.A. Oh, that's nice. They have many convenience stores there for you to stand in front of. Like everybody else. Like everybody else. So what did you think of the film, Ollie Jay? I don't know why I'm calling you Ollie Jay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I have a feeling if I saw this film in the 90s when I was watching Clerks and Days of Confused and all those films I probably would have liked it more yeah but I, I, I don't know like this- I mean as I was saying to you earlier if I look at my notes they're mostly, mostly like going oh that's a Sonic Youth song that's a ministry song. Like it had a great soundtrack, yeah, and I've actually lis- been listening to it. But yeah, I, I write the same stuff down about like um, in, I know it, like Linklater is known for his needle droppy kind of filmmaking, and it does like Sonic Youth. I think I heard Butthole Surfers, Flaming Lips, um, and Stephen yeah. Malcolmus from Pavement Beck. as well. Oh, it was Beck as well. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. kind of what I liked most about the film. I think like um, even Pennywise, punk, you know, oh yeah, punk. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, it's it doesn't quite work. I understand. I I get. I was we were interested in doing this because it is you know he comes up with Slacker, then Dazed and Confused, and Before Sunrise, which are just three huge films, and they they're great. They all hold up. Um, and then he does this, and I've never heard anyone talk about this. Like I've never like. So. Well, this this seems like a lost film. Like I don't yeah. think it ever came out on DVD or Blu-ray. 
I mean, at least that I couldn't find. It was hard it's to not find. not in streaming there's a, services. There's a British film from the 80s called Suburbia as well, and that comes up everywhere. Like, so... Who directed that? Penelope something? Yeah, uh, I can't it... remember her name. Yeah. But that seems to be much but, even um, more popular, which... Well, Flea's in that film, apparently, mm. from the Chili Peppers. But so, to, to summarise this film, it's basically about a group of friends who just kind of hang outside a convenience store. Yes. They're like, what, late late teens, early 20s? Oh, like, I'd say they're kind of... Uh, oh, God, yeah, that's a good question, because I kind of thought they were mid-20s, but they're all kind of talking about going to do college and stuff, aren't they? Yeah, so, exactly. Like, they're kind of that gap. They're kind of they're a group of people who left high school but hadn't gone on to do college. They're kind of in that wasted yeah, so kind, of kind of. They're kind of like eighteen, era. nineteen, so, I guess, twenty. Should we say twenty, twenty-one, maybe? Yeah. So they they spend their their evenings or days hanging outside of a convenience store, and they're kind of waiting for one of their friends called Pony to come back and visit, who's playing a show because he's kind of become famous and he's all over MTV with his like. He's, shitty rock band or shitty rock they're... band yeah those songs <laughs> that he sung oh, were garbage i want i was really trying to find out who wrote them because they must have they've got such a great soundtrack surely they hired someone to write the songs but well i know sonic youth wrote like at least three songs for, for this the like the song yeah. sunday from the film is wicked yeah yeah, yeah. i think they may have re- re-recorded that for one of their albums or something I but it's so. a great track but um but i've actually found the um because this is a play. Uh, it's written by oh, yeah, yeah. Eric Bogerson. I think he pronounced his name. I really apologise if I'm getting that wrong. He's the guy who wrote Talk Radio. And actually, I think he acts in Talk Radio, Oliver Stone's film. Um, and Sex, Drugs, He also and wrote Under Siege 2. Yeah, he's in it as well, isn't he? Yeah. Is he in it? I'm sure he is. Yeah, I'm sure he's in it at some point. He acts quite a lot. Um, so, like, this is a theatre play. And so that's why everything takes place in a parking lot. Um, it's really wordy in the way plays are wordy, but it yeah. isn't snappy. That's what I couldn't. That's what I couldn't enjoy about it. It wasn't funny enough. It wasn't snappy enough. It was just wordy. <laughs> like, it's a shame that Link uh, did Linklater write Dazed and Confused. I think he did. I don't know that. Um, I will check. I mean, is it blasphemy to rewrite a play? Because if you if you him, get yeah. a book. You rewrote a you rewrite a book and adapt it as a screenplay. Yeah, I wonder if this is just straight up the script of the play, just well, put on screen. That's what I was going to say. It's I a shame they the didn't playbook. adapt it. Or when I was when I was watching this, I found the the playbook for the show. So I was going through it, okay. and it does seem to be the same. I couldn't find any differences. What made me laugh because okay. we we're talking about the songs. There's a little section at the front of the playbook that basically says, "I wrote these songs can be whatever like the actor you, you hire." couldn't play they just need to seem natural and and comfortable that the person's comfortable at performing them um i when i wrote them in my head i thought they were rem songs but you know it can be whatever style your actor's comfortable with they don't have to be perfect they're meant to be draft songs anyway and that's just a little note for whatever the songs have to be so that's why i was just i was sure they must have hired someone to just write a couple of songs for the film but i couldn't find that information anywhere so uh, i noticed in the credits the opening credits it said production design by Catherine hardwick Okay. So do you know who Catherine Hardwick is? I do. Why why do I? So she directed 13 uh, Lords of Dogtown. Oh. Lords of is it Lords of Dogtown? Yeah. And the first Twilight movie and Red Riding Hood. Have you seen 13? And you can definitely set you, yeah, and you can tell oh. in her early film she definitely 
because she worked with a lot of these indie directors and you can tell she definitely learned a lot from like Linklater and yeah uh she even worked on tank girl <laughs> oh wow it's the production so but you can tell she learned a lot from the, these filmmakers i've been meaning to watch 13 actually i was thinking if we you hadn't seen it i'll put it on the list but i've been i was thinking about i haven't that. seen i haven't seen it so maybe we'll stick down the list actually and do it when we get around okay to it. that'd be interesting um, so it's character wise oh sorry we're gonna say I, well, I think we're going the same way because where were we? They hang about in a parking lot. Their friends coming, who's in a band, and that's pretty. That's the whole film. That's the whole film. Yeah. That's yeah. So, just, <laughs> so we just talk about the characters, and I guess so. Yeah, you've guess got so. Pony, who's the friend who comes back, who's the musician, who I think is a pretty awful actor. I think, <laughs> especially at least in this film, I think he's a terrible actor in this. I really don't. I can't remember the guy's name. Is it Jace Bartok? Um, yeah, he doesn't work in this film. I think the character is reprehensible. <laughs> I mean, I think he's supposed to come across as a douche, I and he is so. a douche. He is a douche. He's a complete douche. And like, turn like, okay, so he—they're waiting for him all night because he's playing a show nearby. They're all his friends from high school, but he doesn't comp them to go to the the, the show. Yeah, he doesn't go. I'll give you guest yeah. list. They, he just goes, "What? You couldn't afford to come?" and gets angry at them a little bit for not coming. And then he rocks up at the parking lot with in his limo, and he's like, "What? I know, fucking twat." would do that i don't even understand like how much of a superstar do you think you are and he's like oh you know it's easier to have the driver and i'm like oh you are <laughs> i don't like you <laughs> at all you've got you've got the art student student called sue who does like yeah, a, a by Amy performance Perry. art piece that do you know my favorite thing about her art. is when you when you're introduced to her you see her mom and her mom's got a t she's watching tv and it's on top of another tv yeah i, I wrote i wrote home shopping mom on my list yeah. <laughs> her one man show is the most 90s gen x fucking one man show that's ever been shot on film i i well, i was struggling to know this is the stuff that's sometimes funny about going back and watching old films is like I, am i meant to think that's good or crap well, or funny i kind of took it as the script is quite self-aware so it's kind of well aware that this is what these people are I know it's kind of taking the mick out of them. I think. I think. I'd like to think. Because <laughs> like, because Giovanni Ribiz, Rib, Rib, I can't pronounce his name. Giovanni Phoebe's Ribisi. brother. Yeah. <laughs> he kind of call. He kind of like says it late later on that he he doesn't have a voice, and he doesn't know what he's thinking or what to say. But that kind of then gives it a voice, I guess. Ironically, yeah, the, what, I, not ironically. It's, do you know what I mean? I guess like the film for me was we're going to jump all over the place with this because the way this film's put together but it was such an icon of Gen X mindset that it pissed me off because it was it was the bad thing to do in this film it was to care like it's like so that Giovanni Rabisi's character is such a whiny shit who both wants to be seen as like some deep thinker but also won't allow himself to actually emote or care about anything and I just got so tired of his shit like, during the it's, film. It, it's like they're intentionally obnoxious and entitled. Yeah. But like, unlike, but the thing is, unlike other kind of films about the Gen X era, like Singles or Clerks or... Or even Richard Lintnator's own films. It doesn't, like, it doesn't celebrate that culture, though. No. Whereas, like, it kind of glamorises it in the other ones. In this one, it doesn't. It 
it makes them look like complete and utter assholes. It does, it really does. They, they are. They are. They're, they're... And probably, probably people were at that age probably were a little bit. Do you know sure, what I mean? but that's different. Overeducated. Than writing, that's different under... than writing a plot about them. You, you're left at the end of the film going, "Well, what the fuck am I doing with these characters? Like, they're 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 horrible, and they deserve the shit they're getting themselves into because all of them are pricks." <laughs> well, I mean. Uh, I can't pronounce his name. Rib, rib, ribsy, rib, Giovanni, Giovanni Ribisi. You... Ribisi. Yeah. yeah. So like he's supposed to be the hero, but yeah. like is he? Like is he? Is, is he mit- yeah. No, he's not. I can tell you, he's not the fucking hero because his friend threatens to shoot the fucking um uh the convenience uh, store the worker for no reason. Like they 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 treat that convenience store worker so badly. Do you know? I like him. He was in Office Space. Yeah, he plays R- like RJ, one of the other guys. Arjun Nadu. Yeah. Is it Nadu Nadu? Yeah, he's in Office Space. He's in a ton of stuff. He's he's probably the best in this film. Actually, I thought Giovanni was I agree. good as well. But I th- actually thought RJ was the best. I think he's always <laughs> solid, though he is. Yeah. From whatever I've seen him in, he's always solid. Um, Nicky Cat played Tim, who's the <sighs> arsehole ex-military guy. I don't think who... I've hated a character more in my life than this character. I fucking hate well, he... him. He played the bully in Days Confused. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, this film could literally be the sequel to that film. <laughs> I'm sure. Do you know what I mean, like, I know it's set. T- well, I know it's set 20 years later, so it could be they're the kids of those yeah, characters, yeah. or it's like the spiritual sequel. Yeah, it was like, like Days and Confused, but in modern times, like, which, yeah, but without any likable characters or comedy, <laughs> frankly. Like, yeah. Well, this is billed as a comedy drama. I, know, I was like, "Where's the comedy? When does it happen?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, he sets up his friend saying, oh, I murdered the publicist. Oh, I was going to get to you that. You can find her in my car. Then he doesn't even go to the car. And he's like, rats out I, his friend, even though he didn't actually kill him. The anyone. whole end of that film made no sense to me. I'm like, what? He, punches what is, a, why, he says what? he punches and murders the girl because he couldn't get an erection. Which, and then it's not even played like, like that toxically. But that's literally what happened. And then... What's it? Giovanni Obisi goes to find the dead body. Doesn't finds the mobile phone. Finds them. Is that what he had? Was it a page or a phone? He or finds something? the yeah. mobile phone. Doesn't even go in. Doesn't the go truck. in there, and then spends all night sitting on the side of the street, deciding whether he should call the cops or not, because thinking his yeah. friend had killed someone. Yeah. And then he hadn't killed her. And like you spent so. <laughs> Are we meant to? So you know he's getting checks from from like the army or whatever like because he was what well, he's meant to be dismissed so hang on, wasn't he, he for something dismissed yeah uh, is that a lie though that he cut his fingertip off because i can't imagine you get dismissed for cutting the top tip of your finger off <laughs> i'm sure he was so there's lie. obviously something else going on there but what, is he, i don't really care he's a raging fucking like white supremacist i don't know like it's just oh yeah i fucking hated him i hated that character and like and then at the end like of the film so- i'm i'm so angry at the end of the film because when he sees the we, oh god we're jumping around when he sees the girl passed out on the roof he's yeah. suddenly like the hero becomes the hero and yeah. like, no you were fucking shooting gun round at a guy who was just working like that's all the guy yeah. had done is work, had a job was his like crime had a job and be an immigrant I think with the, his crimes like, and I'm and sure mean, that's so what the girl... I don't know but god so the art girl Suze, who's like your te- stereotypical kind of riot girl, kind of with like yeah. spiky sideways spiky hair, she like 
they say, "What do you stand? What does your art stand for?" She's like, "I have to say, I'm waiting. That can come. It's cool." Um, so they're like, "What do you stand for?" And she's like, "You know, women's rights. uh, I'm against racism and stuff like that." And then, more than two seconds later, they're like taking the mick out of the clerk for being, you know, Pakistani or whatever, and she's laughing at it. And I'm like. I know. Does the, is the film aware of what she's I doing? I hope know. so. That's what I but I don't work, know. That's literally what I couldn't work out because none of them really fight back against any of the toxicity in that group. They're all just yeah. kind of join in on it. And I'd say Giovanni. I can't pronounce his fucking name. <laughs> Giovanni Ribisi. Rib- I'm just going to call him Phoebe's brother. <laughs> He's the only one who kind of calls people out. I think kind of, but he does it in a but, but then a doesn't really go way. the full. Uh, yeah. He doesn't do it because he cares about other people. He doesn't do it because he thinks the other person's feelings will be hurt or that you shouldn't be a racist. He does it in a look at me kind of way. It's I don't know. It's very it's incredibly Gen X, I guess. I don't know. It does does kind of sum it up, but. And then you've got Steve Zahn, who's basically like um, Spicoli from. Um... I, fast times I, I couldn't stand steve zahn in this film i couldn't what was this character what, hey he's in your favorite movie ha- what's it called happy texas is he in happy texas that's not happy texas. i think he is he's not my favorite film <laughs> you bought it on dvd it's your favorite <laughs> steve zahn has got a career that never really went anywhere what was the film that he was like is it oh god what is that film called that he was I in. don't know. There's lots of films uh, in the world. Sahara? Is that the one I'm thinking of? Oh, with Matthew McCon- yeah. McConaughey. And it was meant to be like the new mummy. And look at this new adventure team. We've got Matthew McConaughey and I can never, can't say his name. Steve Zahn and Penelope Cruz. And Steve Zahn is so out of place in that cast. Hey, he's in, he's in Daddy Daycare. Oh, good. Good for Steve Zahn. I've got nothing against Steve Zahn. I just couldn't stand him in this film. I couldn't stand him at all. I, I didn't know... I didn't know why he was there. I didn't know if he was funny. I didn't know. Like, he was just annoying. So, you know, like, the pony guy keeps asking them, going, oh, I want you to do my album artwork. I want yeah, you to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want you to direct my video. I mean, is he... Is, is he, he playing does he think them? they're genuinely talented yeah. or is he using them? I don't I don't get it. I'd like... I thought he was using her. Um, oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. But I don't understand why he decided Steve Zahn has to shoot his music video. Um, yeah. In, what do you, you, you make music videos also. What do you think about having a music video set in a Chinese restaurant with a stereotypical <laughs> heavy-accented waitress? Is that is that your idea of a great, a great music video? Because that's what they had in this film. That's what they, that's what, that was their big idea. It's definitely going to get you an MTV music video award, that's for sure. One of those little... Um, what, are they, what are they like? The little... Astronaut guy. Oh yeah, it's a little astronaut, isn't it? With that, with the TV thing. I hate it when people have artistic ideas in films and they're like so like joyed over their like shitty idea. I'm just like, (laughs) it's horror. I hate it. it When that was happening, and they were like, "Oh, we can have the the waitress," and she's an Asian actress who was clearly putting on a really heavy accent. They were like, "And she can be here saying." I can't remember what she said. She thinks she said closed at them and they were repeating closed back at her in their kind of really thick Asian accent. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was the same with the bloody convenience store worker as well. Every time he said anything, they were just shouting back at him. Oh, in I can't really understand you what you're yeah. saying. 
And obviously, um, and so, RJ don't... was just put. RJ had a heavy kind of Indian accent as well in this film, which. Uh, yeah. As well. So he doesn't have that in office space. He doesn't does he? because he wasn't born in India. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And he wasn't directed to. <laughs> he wasn't directed yeah, to just, do just it. Just Indian it up a bit. Yeah, it's just... like the Apu thing, isn't it? Like. Yeah, absolutely. It's like um, uh, the Master of None episode about it. Like it's an absolutely classic example of it. I've got I've got a few notes here. Go for it. Two pound fifty, two dollars fifty for a packet of cigarettes. Sounds good. That's that's not going to happen now. Um, <laughs> uh, no mobile phones, which it's quite weird now to watch a film with young youths in it, and no, they're not like got mobile phones in their hands and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, I don't know. I always find it funny when I'm really because they kept on going to the payphone, didn't they, to make calls? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's why. Uh, and there's yeah, and there was the other character in it who. Um, Oh, BB. Who's the, the, not the about alcoholic? Yeah, yeah, played by Dina Spivey, I think her name is. Yeah. Um, who is an alcoholic who their her parents the sent to 19. rehab. Um, and she resents them for it, and then drinks herself to death. I guess. Are you, are you meant to presume she's dead at the end? Oh, she, I think they said she was breathing actually so oh, okay. maybe she wasn't dead she disappears halfway through the night and then in the morning they find her on a roof passed out um after the army guy is shooting a gun on the roof and yeah that's i don't know this film <laughs> like rolling stone put this as his like as linklater's worst film okay would you would you agree with that i can't agree because he's made so many films because I don't, I, I, have a look at his, I haven't seen them all. I need to look at his filmography. But it's definitely, it's probably the worst I've seen of his. Well, you know, like I try and watch those um, Vanity Fair like videos oh, yeah. where it's got like like actors talking about like their you know their their best roles and stuff. So I found one of Linklater, and it's talking about all of his films. So it goes Slacker, then Days of Confused, and it goes yeah. before what's the what is it before before Sunrise first, yeah. Sun, sun, then it completely skips suburbia and goes straight to w- uh, waking life. And I was well, like, "That means it's skipping well, the, that kind of." It's skipping the Newton Boys as well. Then, what's the, I haven't seen that it's, one. I haven't seen it either. But I just he makes films. That's what he does. You know, <laughs> he's made sixteen films. I know, and he's he's like sixty now. He seems to me like a guy that should always be like forty. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Like Cameron Crowe to me, forty. Yeah, like, like Cameron Crowe always seems like a guy who's like forty, forty-five. But God knows how old he is now. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like Everybody Wants Some, actually. I'd say that, wants that was the worst Link Later film I'd seen until Which this. one's that one? Um it came out in twenty sixteen. It's kinda like it it feels like it's based on his own life a little bit. It's about a baseball team in Texas. In oh, the in the eighties. Yeah. Is that the so it's like this that's the eighties version of um Days and Confused. Days and Confused, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Though I might maybe if I Perhaps. go back and rewatch it I might like it actually. I just remember not really liking that film. I'd like to rewatch a scanner darkly. Yeah, I never had a good time with that. I liked the attempt at it more than the film I watched, really. So I'm looking at um and waking life a list on on Google. It's saying um Spy Kids. I don't think he did Spy Kids. <laughs> he didn't do Spy Kids. Oh, me and Orson Wells, that was alright. Yeah. I love boyhood. Well actually what could you reckon you can rank your top five Richard Linklaters? So I think, Ling I, think I could. I think I'd have to say number one. 
for me, it would have to be School of Rock. Okay, cool. I love. I just think that film is wonderful. It's It's just it just works for me. Probably Dazed and Confused. Yeah. Uh, Boyhood. Yeah. Uh, I do like A Scanner Darkly. Yeah. Because I like my genre films. Sure. Uh, and then I probably have to go for before before sunrise. Okay, but I haven't seen that in so long. I haven't seen it. I was going to rewatch um the before trilogy actually before sunrise before sunset and before midnight. I was going to watch them. I haven't. I've never seen before midnight actually, so I can't. I can't say if that's good or not. Bernie's good. Bernie would be up there. That's my. I think my top five. Boyhood. I think is my favorite film of his. I think Boyhood's yeah, a triumph. It's a great film. And fuck the Oscars, because it's a better film than fucking Birdman. Yeah. Um <laughs> Dazed and Confused, I think then. Then it's before Sunrise, School of Rock, and then Bernie. I lo- I really, really love Bernie. Yeah, it's very good. It's really inventive. I forgot and funny. he made like... I, f- I forgot he did the remake of Bad News Bears. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a bit of a forgotten film. Yeah. And he did uh, Fast Food Nation. I'd never saw that. It's say like actually they move the, uh, the they move this play because I think it's in Brooklyn or something or like that in the theater. It's not. Brooklyn, oh, they move it to Austin. They move it to Austin, Texas. Yeah, which if you don't know, Richard Linklater is from Austin, Texas. So basically, all his films take place there. The other person it's like, who's it's... from Austin, Texas, Ollie, is Alex Jones of Infowars fame, Alex... and that's why Alex Jones is in two of Richard Linklater's early films as like uh, cuz he was like a kind of mini celebrity in Austin Texas as a kind of mad uh, okay. ranty guy so Richard Linklater would just cast him as be be your mad ranty guy here please and i think he's in he's in waking life and scanner darkly i think waking life he's he's driving around in a car with speakers on it and he's yelling about kind of life and like freedom and stuff like that and then scanner darkly's on the corner of a street which looks exactly like the parking lot in this film um yelling about kind of the drug of the film the kind of uh the d drug and the state are going to come get you and right and some van pulls up and bungles him away into a to a van but i was honestly expecting alex jones to show up in this film because like where it was shot i, I, rem- I remember going to mvc with you and we bought well i bought uh waking life and we took it home to watch and thinking yeah this is going to be wicked and we're like, what is this? And I think <laughs> at 16, we weren't quite ready for that film. But I'd like to re-watch Waking Life now. I was thinking of every- I'm trying to rewatch it as well, actually. Because like, it's um, it's a weird film because it, it's... um, You're the animator, so what's it called again? Uh, it's rotoscopes. But yeah. instead of... So it's all done on the computer, rotoscopes. But um, it's it's fluid, isn't it? That's that's what yeah, I remember there's, about there's different styles and techniques of it and like it's kind of like a stream of consciousness film really isn't it so it's a yeah. bit like slacker in that way where it'll just go from one conversation to the other whereas like a scanner darkly which is done in exactly the same style is you know is a more conventional kind of yeah it's much a more to be plot isn't it i would say that waking like i i think the animation's fluid I, I i think of people's faces changing color i think of people's shape of their heads changing oh yeah like they'll do things where their head turns and then their eyes will follow later yeah and where scanner darkly is much more and... solid apart from the kind yeah, of yeah, dreamy definitely. stuff but it's much mm. more like physical um rotoscoped yeah. well i mean waking life are based on dreams he actually had oh is it okay yeah, I mean, I never, I never have dreams that are that fucking existential or 
My, I always have dreams about you never did acid my, uh, in Austin. Classroom. You what? Sorry, I said you never did acid in Austin. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> no, my dreams are always about uh, getting my coursework done on time, always, and I think that's just because <laughs> I'm always up against deadlines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to have a recurring dream years after I left school about not having not attended a class that I have to write an essay on for history. And then yeah. have like not being able to to write an essay on it or something. I don't really remember the dream, but I had that recurring dream a lot. <laughs> not anymore. I mean, do you do you have any more thoughts about this film or? Yeah, I I could sum it up in what I really thought about it. I just was looking down at my notes and it says Susie speaks about equality and then treats Nassim like shit. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, so that's that's that. Um, I think like I think Nick Nater as a director is deeply empathetic. In the kind of same way that Jonathan Demi is. He's not yeah. as empathetic as Jonathan Demi. Jonathan Demi cares about every single person on a camera frame. It might be someone in the crowd, it might be a musician, anyone. Like Link later tends to care about his characters a lot. That's why the before trilogy yeah, yeah. works, you know, that's why his films work because he really cares about these people. Um and this film doesn't have that at all. Like it just doesn't it instead of having like I didn't feel any affection in this film at all. I just felt like this kind of overwhelming like misanthropy and like mm. this just this pessimistic kind of bullshit. The kind of pessimistic bullshit that we kind of grew up around a little bit because it was still going on when we were at school and and I it just all the characters in this were just singularly noted assholes really and that... or tiresome and whiny that was the other kind of that was the two carrots in this film and i just kind that's of that's why i wish it could have at least have his stamp on it a little bit more yeah. like just give it a bit of a rewrite because you're making a film make it a bit different yeah yeah kind of like i i guess the idea with the play maybe they're in a bit of like not a purgatory but they're just like in this i don't know like they're just like in a shit I got the kind of element of it's that age where you didn't go to college and you don't really know what your life's going to set out to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so they're kind of stuck in this kind of rut, but, but they're too young to really figure it out. Yeah, and it doesn't get you. This film doesn't get you anywhere. Even when Nazim uh, says like quite realistic things to um, uh, Giovanni Ribisi's character, his point is undercut by the fact that. Then his wife yells at him and chucks his wedding ring at him. Oh yeah, that was um, weird. <laughs> they then all take the piss out of him, and he's then his point is just undercut by it. So it's just I didn't I didn't know what I was doing with this film. I just didn't I just didn't feel it at the end. Well, it, like this, there was a lot. There's a lot of social commentary in this film, but it's quite hammy, and it's, it's really almost hammy, kind yeah. of it's almost like soap opery. And yeah, I don't know, like I like, like um, you said, like the whole A and A meetings, like and. I am. Um, I kind of, th- in terms of direction and stuff like that, and because it was based on a play, I was actually kind of impressed of how it didn't totally feel like a play. Um, yeah. Because I think Richard Linklater did do a really good job at kind of putting it into a physical place, even though all the kind of really wordiness of a play were still there. It didn't feel like it was just locked in walls like play films tend to feel. Well, I mean, they go they go in the limousine, they go driving around, he like kind tries of to steal the plant plot and it's stuff well like shot. that. But it's, the... it stays it stays in that kind of that area. Yeah, that, it like, does. It just it that felt block or whatever. It felt a bit bigger, and 
maybe on initial watch i wouldn't totally know where the act break was with it as well yeah um i guess it's when pony leaves but it still like it was um it didn't fit it, it did feel like he had done some good stuff i guess is what i'm trying to say and his cinematographer yeah. as well who i think it's his cinematographer on every film pretty much oh, okay uh who is um lee daniel uh he um i thought he did a good job as well i thought it was shot nicely and i thought it looked good i thought you know I, I was i was on board with the way the film felt and and was shot i just the contents of it was very disappointing really the, the intro kind of reminded me a bit of clerk so you know like you have dante in the flipping closet and that's how he falls out of the closet it's, and answers yeah, the phone yes you've got it's, you've yeah. got phoebe's brother he, he stay, he's living in a it's tent homeless. in his parents yeah. house no, he's in his. I think it's his parents' house. Oh, okay. He's got a landline phone. Oh yeah. He's just living in a tent. He's got a laptop in his tent. He's that character was him suffering. <laughs> like, <laughs> he does pin up that kind of time. Like, I think everyone might go through something that feels like this when you want to kind of be loved by people, but you're not willing to actually be a loving person at all. Yeah. And I kind of got that from that character, but I feel like there needs to be a a route that he goes in. He doesn't like, but he doesn't go anywhere. He doesn't move. Yeah, his character just goes around in circles, yeah. and no, I don't know. And like, you could have had him at least, at least if she was dead, which would have been a horrible thing for the film to do. At least maybe he could have then found the body and then decided to step up and call the police. That could have been like a progression. But instead, he doesn't kill her. He thinks she's dead. Doesn't check it out doesn't call the police is yeah well he does call the police in the end doesn't he he does right at the end and then hangs up on them doesn't he as uh, younger i can't remember like so the girl who ods yeah she's not actually friends with them she's only friends with Suze. is that correct so she's never met the okay other ones. yeah you're right you know you're so, right yeah you are i'm quite impressed how they walk around with you know like can like beer cans on the plastic um pull what <laughs> plastic rings yeah like how they drag them along if i was to do that all those beer cans would just fall out <laughs> i think but, i've yeah. done that before and they've all put all just fell out yeah <laughs> i mean i'm pretty much spent on this film i mean i don't know what else i guess what we haven't mentioned is that erica was played by parker posey um oh yeah yeah so uh, she was in um she was in dazed and confused yeah. as well she was, yeah. And, and I, I do like Parker Posey. Me She's too. a good actress. Yeah, me too. But I just feel like she didn't have much to do in oh, this. She had nothing. No, nothing. Like, I couldn't... The women in this, character, in this film had nothing really to do. Sue's had that performance, yeah. but um, I don't know what... It undercut her immediately after she gave it, so she just made it look like an idiot. Yeah. Like, so. But I think... I'm hoping that they would, that was purposefully done. I, I'm yeah, assuming I think, it was. I think it was purposeful, yeah. I don't, I don't know. But there's no growth from that character. I don't know. Just, I mean, I guess it's hard to make a character grow in an evening. Yeah, but like you need but to. Write... You have to do that, otherwise. It's like you need to write an event that triggers something in a character. So they did this, but actually, it doesn't trigger anything. So it just ended up being quite yeah. an unfulfilling and unsatisfactory kind of watch. Really, I can I can absolutely it... see why this film never gets talked about. It's a lost film in Richard Linklater's like filmography, and I am really glad that we watched it for that reason. Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, but also, do you All know right, who you... did the? You know who did the soundtrack? Actually. Mm. Oh, I did read that. Ah, oh, enlighten me. Uh, Stuart Copeland from the Police. Oh, cool. Yeah, I, th- I, d- I, th- I think I did read that. But like I said, going back, like the uh, Sunday by um, Sonic Youth tune. Tune. Good old Sonic Youth. Okay, you're on. You're on um, Letterboxd. What are you giving it out of five? Uh, I don't know. Um, it's about two-ish. One half, two-ish. One and a half. One and a half, two-ish. It's there. I'll have to think about yeah, it when I read it. Yeah, it's between two and a two and a half for me. It's probably got an extra bump because of the soundtrack. Yeah, the soundtrack, and I do think some of the performances are good. I think you know, like I'm, I'm massively swayed by a good soundtrack for a film, especially '90s soundtracks, because I'm a, I'm big, yeah. I'm quite partial to '90s alternative rock music. Yeah, totally. So like, you know, um, a lot of these bands like. Uh, Girls Against Boys and uh, Butthole Surfers were on a load of soundtracks back then. I'm surprised Filter wasn't on this soundtrack. They were on <laughs> every 90s soundtrack. It was um. And who's that other band? What's the what were they called? Stabbing Westwood. I'm surprised Stabbing they're Westwood. not on it somewhere. <laughs> well, Boss Hog's on it, so don't worry. And Uncle. Oh yeah, I do like Uncle. I was going to say just final things. Um. Steve Zahn and uh, Shamia Shoyab, I think you pronounce it. Oh, they were in the play who, version, weren't the they? People did the play, yeah. The only people that carried over because Steve Zahn were was they the same character? Yeah, they were. Yeah, we didn't talk about Shamia, but she played the wife of the convenience store worker as well. I mean, very small part. Very small part. Yeah, I'm surprised of all the parts they recast. That was the one. They're like, nope, got to have her for her <laughs> three lines. She was good for her three lines. Oh, she was good. Yeah, I'm not like, saying she wasn't. No. I wasn't saying she wasn't good. No, no, but it just surprises just me surprising, that that was the yeah. one they had to. All right, so um, I figured we would kind of end with uh, biggest weekend game again because I kind of enjoyed that last okay. week. Okay. Uh, so uh, we'll go from ten to one again because uh, that's easier for me. Um, there are some repeats in this, so and I'll tell you when there are repeats weekends because that will okay. help you. Uh, so number 10 is November 15th, 1996, and it was released by Warner Bros. Yeah. It was... Um, the poster is one of those posters when it's like, finally, blah meets blah. Blah meets blah? Yeah, finally, actor meets actor. Like, like you've been waiting for this forever. Um... Actor meets actor. Uh, so there's a big deal then that these two got together. Yeah, they're kind of international icons. Heat was the year before, so it's not that. Uh, Both of them not known for their movies. Not known. Have we talked about it already today? Yeah. <laughs> is it Space Jam? It is. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I thought that was a good clue. <laughs> that was a good clue. That was a good clue. 27 million. That what made. was it? Bugs meets Jordan or something yeah, like that. Yeah, totally. Finally, Bugs and Jordan together. You've been waiting for this forever. Haven't they made a sequel to that or making one or something? They keep look- threatening to make sequels to Space Jam. I can't say anything about Space Jam. It's like it's like talking about Hook. We know it's not a good film, but it, you, you, you love it. That's quite like both of those films is that. 
Um, so this is the week after that, actually. So this was November 22nd. Uh, it made 30 million. It was released by Paramount. It was the newest film in a incredibly long running franchise that spreads TV and film. This one for me is the second best film of this franchise. Is it still going today? Yeah. Yeah. On both, actually. Film and TV. Oh, it's gotta be Star Trek, but Mm -hmm. I don't know which one it is. It's first contact. First contact. Which was... Is that the one with the Borgs? Yeah, it is, yeah. I love that film. And I'm really surprised it, it top 10 opening weekend for 1996 was a Star Trek film. That really surprised me, actually. I always think of it as small films, but... Which was the one after this? Insurrection? Yeah, which was weird. And then... <laughs> but I, I love the Star Trek films, and I, I in First Contact, if you're ever going to watch a Star Trek film, especially a Picard film, watch First Contact, because it's a great action flick. And I believe it was directed by William Frakes, who's Riker. And he's really, really good at directing uh, Star Trek. He's He really gets what makes it work. Oh, cool. He's done, he did some episodes of Picard, or did you just say Yeah, that? yeah, he did, yeah. yeah. He's done yeah, a yeah. lot of Star Trek, actually, a lot of TV. And, and, and Clock Stoppers. And Thunderbirds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love Johnny Frake, so. Number eight, also November film, so November 29th. It made 33 million and it was released by Disney. It was um, a remake. A remake. Um, of what? Of one of their animated films? Yeah, it was a live action remake. St- I'm trying to think back then. Starring a kind of, I don't know, icon of cinema, really? I'm trying to think. The only remakes they would have done then was like either Homeward Bound or 101 Dalmatians. 101 Dalmatians it is. Is it, is it yeah, that yeah, one? Yeah. Shit. Is that considered one of their like live action remakes like the ones today? It should is it be. In that? It frankly should be. <laughs> I never actually watched it, so I, don't, I can't actually comment on it at all. But I remember it being a huge film. I think John Hughes wrote that film. Yeah, I think you might be right. Okay, this film, number six, was released in July, uh, July the 12th. Yeah. It made thir- uh, $34 million, and it was released by Walt Disney. Um, Kind of weirdly released by Walt Disney. It's... Weirdly? Yeah. It's... Lead cast is... Like this really is a singular lead of this film. The poster is just him, and he was like the—he's just this in the nineties. He's huge. He's a massive, massive film star. And when did it come out? Sorry, was it a summer release? Yeah, July. Yeah. Um. Directed by a, a workman, really. A workman, but an uh... iconic kind of workman, I guess. Not Ron Howard. <laughs> yes. Have Ron Howard directed it? Yeah. The lead actor is not really working anymore, though he is. Kind of went through some 
he's definitely not the star he was in the 90s though he's still probably a household name bit of a problematic guy Um, when I say a bit of a problematic guy that's an underestimate hugely um, problematic guy (laughs) what can you at least give me the genre of this film yeah it's like um action uh kidnap action film ah ransom yes (laughs) (laughs) oh mad mel mad mel that's insane that that is that was a disney film yeah one it's a disney film and two that it i apologize that was a november release i read that badly um that's all right um but it's insane that that's like seventh biggest opening weekend is ransom the only bit I remember that is Gary Sinise or Sinise who is the villain and he's like plays a cop and the way that um, uh, Mel Gibson finds out that he's the kidnapper is because the kid pisses himself. <laughs> Do you remember? <laughs> I'm not even sure I've seen Ransom if I'm very honest. I probably have. It seems like that film I just remember the poster being everywhere. And like always being in VHS shops because it's him. The poster's like him with some screens, with all TV it? screens. Yeah, right and he's kind of like got his hands like that, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, Mel, it's Mel Gibson doing things. Oh, I have. Oh, he was that, massive, so. wasn't he? He was huge, and yeah. Okay, I'm going to skip to uh, number three, four, and five now. So opening okay. weekend in three, one go. Yeah, opening weekends three, four, and five. So that's May tenth, May twenty fourth, and May seventeenth. Um, okay. It's interesting to note that May twenty fourth made more money than May seventeenth. So there was some word of mouth going on. Okay. It made forty one in its opening, and then thirty seven in the others. Action film. Was it Twister? Yes, Twister. <laughs> really? He made that much money. Insane, isn't it? It it opened. Uh, Domestic box office was twenty four million. Uh, sorry, two hundred and forty million. It and that film has got a really good cast, though. Yeah, Helen Hunt, Bill Paxton. Got Bill Paxton, and you've got uh, what's Carrie his Uwes. name? Uh, Carrie Uwes. Carrie, yeah. Uwes. Jonas, that son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Williams. Uh, what's it? Philip Seymour Hoffman's in it. Yep, it definitely is in these weirdest characters. Yeah. Cameron from Ferris Bueller's yeah, Alan Day Ruck, Off. Yeah, isn't isn't um, it's it was produced by Kathleen Kennedy, wasn't it? As well. Yeah, and Spielberg has something to do. It's definitely an Amblin film, I think. Yeah, and Michael Crichton as well. But Michael Crichton wrote it. I think you know. I think he produced it. Oh wow! And then um, Jan Jan de Bont. was that. Was that his follow-up to Twist the Speed, was it, as well? Is that maybe why it was so big? I guess so. I wonder what, what was his film after that? Was it like Tomb Raider or something? God, good question. Oh, Speed 2, Cruise Speed Control. Two, that, that would kill your career, wouldn't it? Yeah, that that did kill his career, probably. Speed, Twister, Speed he... 2. And then he didn't make... Oh, then he made The Haunting. Oh, dear. So he did <laughs> he w- Speed 2, The Haunting, he was a... and that. And then Lara Croft. He was, he was a DP. I think he did he was, yeah. Die Hard. Yes, yeah. yeah, he did. Yeah, and Flatliners, and Basic Instinct. I think. Oh. 
No, Twister is a film that I loved. I, I watched that like a hundred times. And everyone was upset. I watched like, it. It was a sum of tornadoes. Everyone knew everything about tornadoes that year. F5s and F5. <laughs> I watched it recently. I still enjoyed it. Does it work? Yeah, I mean, it's cheesy as all out, but like, it's, it's good fun. you got to get Dorothy up there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Put the wings on it. We're storm chasers. It's what we do. It's like it's one of those films that once it ends, once the once the little twiddly little radio, whatever they are, like the little things, they go up in the tornado. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It just ends. <laughs> it just yeah, it does, like, doesn't it? And bye. We had another good yeah, time. It's like it's like films nowadays. Like the the main conflict will end. You still got half an hour left to go. If that film was made nowadays, um, they'd be battling the tornado. Helen Hunt would have Helen Hunt would have gone up in it, and Bill Paxton would have had to fly in to save her. <laughs> I would have wanted uh, toys from this film. Imagine <laughs> having tornado toys. I don't know how they'd work. But Philip Seaman Hoffman in his in his uh, Hawaii his camper van, yeah, blasts out red hot chili peppers or whatever it is that he's listening to. Is it? Chili? And he listens to something. What's the um? You know the old lady they all go and visit. They all call her Mom. Or Meg. 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 Her Meg. Meg. She makes the best pork chop, no, best beef uh, steaks in the the land. <laughs> oh, they don't make films like they used to. They don't. Okay, so number two, May release. So this this came out May twenty fourth, um, which was still when Twister was making absolute killing at the box office. <laughs> Uh, Paramount Pictures, and it was the first film of what became a big franchise. 24th? Yeah. Um, Huge movie star. Have we spoke, yeah, we have have, we spoke we about spoke this franchise? About yeah. Oh, it was Mission Impossible then. Yeah. I realised that we kind of spoke about most of these. And then number one film, number one opening weekend, was also the number five opening weekend, and it opened July the 5th, which is a clue. Independence Day? <laughs> yes. It opened July 5th? Yeah, I know. Why, I guess, why did it open July 4th? What? <laughs> well, wouldn't it open before that, really, just to get, to get, just to get a head start on it? I guess it did, and it's just July the 5th is the weekend the official yeah because it may have been the fifth was the friday or something yeah so maybe open like let's see if i can find that information which i mean there's no doubt that that was the biggest film of this year i think i think i saw that film three times in the cinema i think i saw it once and i remember people clapped at the end i'm like why are you clapping and no one from the film is here yeah people don't clap in england um I know it's a thing in America, but people don't clap in England. And when they do, it's weird. I went to go see a, a screening of um, The King's Speech. Like, it was um, yeah. it was a screening that we didn't know what we were going to go see. It was one of those, not a test screening, but like, um, a, I don't know, an early screening. And um, people clapped at the end of it, of The King's Speech. <laughs> Is that older people being respectful to the film or something? I don't know. I'm I'm generalising that older people went to go and watch that film cinema, but then but you went to go and see it. it so because it it wasn't older people because it, it was just random tickets. Like we all just got given oh, tickets okay. to go see it. So it was just I think just very. Oh, like when we went to see the fighter when we yeah. got those. Like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just everyone was just very happy they got to see a film. I think. 
Okay. <laughs> uh, it got released on July the 2nd, Independence Day. Though. Okay. So that makes a little more sense. I, I remember in the X-Files movie that uh, Mulder pisses on a poster of, of Independence Day in an alleyway. <laughs> take, take that. Can we start the X-Files podcast soon, please? <laughs> yeah, That's Why did... Was it ever called ID4 over in England? So, Just all the posters always said ID4, which I thought was dumb. I always thought it was dumb as well. I never saw the sequel. Oh, What's, I have. Like, they couldn't do ID2 for ID4-2. ID4-2. ID yeah, ID4-2. I'll do that. That works. <laughs> well, they could have said another holiday instead of Independence Day. It could have been set on, like, Flag Day or something. Or uh, Arbor Day. Hello. <laughs> yeah. The only the Independence Day two is only worth watching because Brent Spinner is really good in it. Oh, Spiner, he's the best thing about the second film. I thought he died in the first one. Yeah, but that's what you thought happened. Uh, okay. In fact, they were desperate to get some people back from the first film, so he lived. <laughs> that was the best bit in the first one with the jump scare when they open up the chest and it just bursts open. Yeah, absolutely. I did, uh, that film toys and everything didn't it did i think i don't know if i had a toy from that film i had one of the spaceships my aunt bought me one of the little you know the ones that detach off it like the little the little kind of saucers yeah the ones they they fly off it at the end in the end and they put the virus into the mothership yes that they do with their apple <laughs> yeah <laughs> Anyway, we should leave it there. Yeah, that's that's a wrap for 1996, I think. I guess we talked about so, Richard Linklater. So what ne- what's, what year's next then, Liam? Well, surprisingly, it's 1997. Um, Whoa, you don't say. You don't say, but we are going to... In, because because you know, you're an animator and, and I like animation, I, I was going to try and put an animated film every year, every decade, every miniseries will get Sounds like, an animated film. Sounds good to me. Um, it's kind of difficult in the 90s actually a little bit because I've seen almost all animated films apparently for the 90s um, well it's most it's either Disney, Don Bluth or there's a little bit of anime I guess like a sprinkling of anime most the anime I've seen because it's like stuff like Ghost in the Shell and things and yeah. which were huge like you know, Ki- when we, oh no Akira was the 80s what am I Kira talking was, about but, but it was that era of like these anime films being sold on VHSs, you know, and us just kind of, especially yeah. kind of digging to find them whenever we could. But one film I hadn't never seen, it was the was Perfect Blue by uh, Satoshi Kon. Um, okay. His first film. So we're going to do Perfect Blue, um, which come back next week, please. It sounds perfect. Hey. I know that sounds, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to watching it. Okay, on that note, um, as I said, we're on Twitter. We'd like to have a conversation with you about films, you know, what do you think we should see? What haven't we seen? Uh, do you think we're wrong in some of our opinions? Yeah. Uh, what are your favourite films from 1996 or the years that we talk about? What parking um, lots did you hang that out said, in the 90s? What was that? What parking lots did you hang out in in the 90s? <laughs> yeah. Um, so with that said... Uh, Remember, if the picture's bad, don't forget to adjust your tracking. <laughs>